Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. Hey, She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and I am back. Uh, okay, well, I'm not fully back. I mean, I'm here right now, but um, I can officially say that I am in recovery mode from the multi-passionate carpreneur course. Um, like I have been telling you guys for the last couple of months, I have been pouring every minute and ounce of energy that I had into making that awesome. And even uh, my family is like, are you okay? Like, you feel like you're pulling back. And I'm like, well, I'm just busy. I'll, I'll come back. So um, it is the first week officially after that. And yeah, yeah, I'm recovering. Um, so wondering, Kirby and I were talking about just some of the things that we'd learned since, you know, this is actually our third course um, that we've done, first successful one. <laughs> I mean, the other two were fine. They were fine. Um, but I, as my therapist would say, I'm artificially hard on critical of myself. So we learned, we've learned a lot on making three courses and we were thinking about doing an episode with Curb and I, and just kind of a recap in not about the course, but about making of the course. And don't know if that would be something that you all are interested in or not. I don't know. Send me a DM. Let me know if you're like, nah, that sounds boring. You can just skip that week then. Stephanie, I don't know why the name Stephanie came out, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if you're like, hell yeah, I'd listen to that. Shoot me a DM. Let me know. Um, I heard a really funny story. So this is from Felicia Devine, who was in the multi-passionate chiropractor course. And as we were talking on the day of the live event. So her husband is a dentist. And somehow, how the hell did we get involved in talking about cadavers? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You can never really know why I end up talking about something with someone. And she shared, she's like, did you know that dentists, they do dissections too, but they get the top half of the body. Oh, trigger warning. Sorry. Um, they get the top half of the cadaver and then they send the bottom half to podiatrists. And I'm like, that can't be true. But her husband's a dentist. So why, why would he lie about that unless he's insane? Um, but then I also was wondering, like, just podiatrists? So, like, I mean, there's other specialties that I could think of that only need the bottom half as well. Um, 
So I don't know. Yeah, I found that very interesting. And you know what? Blessed. Aren't we lucky as chiropractors that we got the whole body? Definitely made me think. I really enjoyed Cadaver Lab. Uh, Just to keep this gross conversation going, there's very little I remember about chiropractic school because of trauma. No, I'm just... um, But I remember that we had eight people and lucky for me, six of them wanted nothing to do with it. And like, it was just me and one other person who were like all in there just figuring out stuff and peeling stuff. Um, And I like to horrify my children occasionally at any moment that I, okay, major trigger warning coming here. Um, I will just freak them out by being like, oh yeah, I've peeled the skin off a body before. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I have. So don't fuck with me. So anyways, that is that. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to our newest Patreon member, Alexia Ricard. I don't know if that's how you pronounce your last name, but I said it, Ricard. And she is in the Roadmap to Success tier of our Patreon membership. If you are a startup and looking for all of that advice on what to do that first year, then I really recommend you check out the Roadmap to Success um, monthly live calls on topics that you need to know your first year as you're starting up. So check it out. Uh, Last update. What do we got here? Oh, yesterday. So I don't know when this is coming out because... Tony Evil doesn't tell me anything. Um, but I did a uh, interview with Eric Kowalski and Tony Ebel, uh, PX and SCAD, two of our shout out to two of our sponsors on the podcast on social media. So there is going to be a summit coming out. I'm going to be on it. It's going to be great. Um, tons of information in there. So I will make sure to let you know when that comes. And then like, I don't know, we're a couple of weeks away from the TRP, the Remarkable Practice Seminar in Orlando. Oh, I'm super excited. Okay. So I was interviewing Dr. Sharina yesterday. Why can't I think of her last name? Oh, it's blanking me. But anyways, her episode will be coming out soonish. Um, and she does network and we we're talking about network. And I was talking about how I've never had a network adjustment. I'll save that story for that episode. But I was like, wait a minute. I'm going to be, you're in Orlando. I'm coming to Orlando. So I might be trying to hook up with her to get my first entrainment. And you will learn in that episode why they're called entrainments. I mean, I don't know if I got a great answer, but you know, anyways. So let's talk about our guest today. So we have a non-Cairo on and her name is Sarah Greener, and she's got a delightful accent. You're going to love her. Um, And so for many business owners, we feel like we've never got quite enough time for the things that count. And she, Sarah Greener, has developed a framework based on her own business journey to help busy, stressed out, and overworked business owners reignite their passion for business by helping them work on their business rather than in their business. Uh, Delightful, fun, educational episode. I'm here for it. You should be here for it. You're going to like it. So let's take a moment and breathe and pray, and then we'll get into it. (sighs) Soften your heart, open your mind, allow spirit in. What message do you need to hear right now? Like, what do you, what is the universe? What is love? trying to teach you, show you today. What trials and tribulations are showing up in your life this week? 
I often find that what the hard things I'm going through are usually a direct reflection of something that I've previously asked God for help on and how, how I wish that when we pray for things like more time and more energy and just help less stress, um, how God would just snap his finger and be like, there you go, bitch. You got it, girl. Uh, that's just not how it works. Or at least so far in my 36 years, he hasn't done that once. So often it comes in lessons and opportunities, <laughs> opportunities to work and become better. So I just, I ask you look around, check, count your blessings and then see the areas and where you, you are being given opportunities and ask yourself, what did you ask for? What did you pray for? What did you manifest? What did you call into your life that um, you are being granted this wonderful opportunity to become a better human? Because as I like to describe the podcast, that's the goal here. We're all not necessarily chiropractors. We're not all necessarily women. We're not all necessarily owners. We're not all necessarily spouses or Christians or parents. But if you're here with me every week, you are showing up for honesty and vulnerability and lessons so that we can continue to be better people, so we can love better, so that ripple effect can continue to change lives all around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Here is my conversation with Sarah Greener. Enjoy. Who joined first? That's so weird. Yeah? Okay. Right, well, I'm recording. I'm the host now. I'm back in control, Sarah. <laughs> trying to take over my podcast. I know. Oh, my goodness. I spoke at someone else's thing the other day, and they gave me power while I was presenting to, like, drive. And then when I finished presenting and the and the host was still talking, I was still like spotlighting and pitting people. And then she was like, who's doing that? I was like, oh, that's me. You gave me the power. And so I'm, I'm no, using the power. You gave me power. <laughs> and you didn't explicitly say I don't still have the power. So <laughs> I'm going to keep it. <laughs> um, do you, Sarah, do you know your Enneagram type? No. Oh, have you heard of the Enneagram? Yes, I have, but I don't okay. know. No. Okay. And yeah. so way I always start off podcast, um, because I, I'm always on my search for like, what should my cheesy saying be? Because I always hate being like, welcome to the show, because um, <laughs> it's not really my personality. And so I, I decided that I would start podcast by being like, hey, welcome. Like, what's your Enneagram type? If you know it, because if you don't, I end up spending the entire episode trying to like diagnose what your number is uh so if i interrupt you at any point and i go hmm i think you're a seven don't oh, i've heard of it but i i've no i've not done it so i use a thing called contribution compass so oh um, i haven't heard so, of that one yeah so i'm a i'm what you call a catalyst so i'm like awesome at starting great at the ideas terrible at finishing shit Okay, so already I'm thinking you might be an Enneagram three or seven. Yeah. Um, I just got into human design. Have you heard of that? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've had a little look at it and then gone, oh, this is a rabbit hole. I could spend a lot of time down. So I'm just gonna push pause and go and yeah. do what well, I'm supposed to be doing. So I just heard 
the that one of the personality types or I don't know what they would call it is a um, manifesting generator. And I was like, yeah, that one. I don't need to do the test. That's the one I am, I'm sure. So so the whole starting a bunch of things and then not following through that. Like through, yeah. 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 So how, what is your, what is your background? Like, what is, by the way, this is it. This is the show. It's happening right now. (laughs) We're in, we are. The hard part about not having a cheesy intro is so many people are like, wait, is this it? Yeah, this is it. So what is your background? How did you get to become like a speaker on this juggling act, saying no and helping women? Uh, because I did it first and foremost, but, um, my journey has been, I grew up in a entrepreneurial business family. So I was the eldest of four girls on a farm. Uh, by the time we were 10, we were already picking up pine cones and selling them at the local, uh, you would, I don't know whether you'd say gas station or petrol station, but like where you fuel up your car. Um, and we made good money out of that. And then we used to go under the wool shed and we used to dig out the sheep poo and put it in bags and sell it to people for their rose garden. So like I was on that entrepreneurial journey from a really young age and my parents are into business. And so all four of us girls got into business. I, my husband and I bought, we weren't married back then, but we bought our first business in New Zealand when I was 25. So we'd spent some time in Thailand running some businesses over there. Uh, and so it's 25 and we bought a boat in the Bay of Islands to run uh, cruises here. And it was our whole life. We socialized on it. We ate on it. We slept on it. We like, we didn't have a house. We just did everything on the boat. And so business became this kind of all consuming thing which was great when it was just Johnny and I and no house and no kids. And so I stayed on that kind of work hard, get good results. It worked for us, right? We bought the business right before GFC. We survived what? GFC. Okay, hold on. I already have my first question. <laughs> um, don't worry. I've already, I've, I warned you. You'd... What was motivating you early on? So like from that teenage to 20s, you know, was it money? Was it? No, I don't. I think fundamentally it was, I wanted to be a business owner. So up until I was 15, I was going to be a farmer, right? Grew up on a farm. I was going to just be like mom and dad. I was going to be a farmer. And then at 15, I had this, I'm going to be a business owner. And people used to say, what sort of business? And I go, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to be a business owner. And I think it was very much, I love the challenge of figuring it out like it's there's no set plan for it there's no there's no rules about how you have to do it you just have to build something that's sustainable and the whole game is that you take something and you make more money out of it than you invested in the first place right um and so it was just that it was just a challenge of it and so it fascinated me how everyone did it so differently mm-hmm. yeah okay so you're sleeping on a boat <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, see, we're sleeping on a boat. Um, so I think at that point, then things started to shift a little bit in terms of what motivated me. Like this was a business that my then boyfriend, my now husband and I could do together. We were going to live on the water. We were both total water babies. We love scuba diving. You know, it just was, it was an adventure and it was connected with people that were traveling from all around the world. And we'd just come back from living in Thailand where um, my husband's English. So uh, we met on a beach in Thailand. He'd been over there for eight years, loved traveling, loved meeting people from different places. And so did I. And so it just, uh, in the Krabi province. So Ah! on the, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you said Krabi. 
my husband and I were okay I may or not, may not have ADHD we're just gonna we'll come back we're gonna put a bit of what we're talking about um we went to Thailand for we went to Thailand and Kuala Lumpur yeah. and so we flew into Bangkok spent a few days in Krabi and then went to Kuala Lumpur and we to this day because we've seen a I mean for Americans we've seen I- a yeah, yeah. I, anytime yeah, I'm yeah. talking to somebody outside America, I'm like, okay, well, no, I've only been to two European countries. Sorry. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we travel quite a bit and like have seen amazing places. And we were just talking because we had our 12th wedding anniversary that Krabi, Thailand was our favorite place we've ever been to. Oh, cool. Where did so, you go? And why so, did you pick Krabi? I know why I did. But um, we picked Krabi because my sister was living in Kuala Lumpur and had just kind of like some insider knowledge about like, if you're looking for like a beach place, don't go to, I forget some of the like uh, party places over Forget, there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I said, like, I'm just looking for, like, I want to be able to sit on the beach and look at those big giant rock things out in the water. And I don't want to, you know, and she's like, okay, people around here say Krabi is where you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I went there because when I was younger, I rock climbed and I met friends out there. The day of the, I flew out the day of the tsunami, the Boxing Day tsunami, and met my friends out there. And so, and was rock climbing, and that's how I met my husband. So, who doesn't rock climb? Because I learned to scuba dive not long after the tsunami happened, because there's no one there. And so I got to dive on the these. Tsunami happens, and you're like, all right, I bet this is going to be cheap to go there. <laughs> No, I was already booked. So two really good friends had been traveling around the world, and I hadn't seen them for, I want to say, nearly a year. And we were meeting there to rock climb for six weeks over the our New Zealand summer and so I was leaving on Boxing Day from New Zealand and so woke up after Christmas Day and turned on the TV and I was like oh my oh, god weren't there like right? dead people everywhere like that was no, oh my god no so we got there we couldn't get out to the beach straight away but um no it wasn't like that at all it was trashed like the everything along the waterfront was trashed and yes, there had been some loss of life, but nothing like um, further north. So nothing okay. like PP, nothing like Kalok, because uh, the beaches there, um, they're shallow a long way out in Krabi. Mm-hmm. So the, the wave broke a lot further out, but it did oh. a lot, it still did a lot of damage. Okay. Um, so yeah, so went, helped clean up for a little bit. And then basically the locals were just like, spend money, like, that's what you came here. That's what we need. We actually need you to keep yeah. doing the activities and that you would have done anyway and so yeah a friend was like we should go to scuba dive and I was like okay and so I did oh my god okay so I'm changing my diagnosis currently we're working with a seven wing eight is where we're placing you on the Enneagram okay okay so keep going in the story sorry yeah all good so we'd been in been in Thailand and so this was kind of this business that came up um, I'd seen it with my dad when he was trying to convince me to not go traveling overseas. He's like, look, you can do the cool scuba diving thing here on this boat, uh, you know. And I was like, no, no, I'm still going to go overseas. But when we came home, dad was like, go, you got to go, go see the boat. And so um, show Johnny the boat. And so we went up and looked at the boat with the intention of getting some ideas off this boat to apply to our kayaking business that we were running in Thailand at the time. And while we were on board the boat, the skipper slash owner went, well, I'm thinking about selling because I own an island up in Indonesia and we're going to go and set up a turtle sanctuary. We're like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, 
if you think any know anyone that might like to buy it, let us know. And I went, oh, we'll buy it. And my, oh, then, we'll buy it. <laughs> my boyfriend's like, well, with what? <laughs> with what? We, we live in Thai, Thailand. We earn Thai baht, which at the time was like 25 Thai baht made one New Zealand dollar. We did not have the money to be buying a business in New Zealand. And six months later, we owned it and we moved back to New Zealand. Okay. So... I have a feeling just talking to you for the last 10 minutes that I can fill in a lot of dots as to how you got to a place in your life where you needed to learn how to say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get bored and then we bought another business and then I get bored again and we do it again. Board's probably the wrong word. I just You're feel like we're passionate is the word <laughs> we use over in America. Yeah. <laughs> multi-passionate uh yeah. it can often get confused with adhd i believe they're very like interwoven <laughs> of like i'm bored <laughs> yeah so we um so we ended up uh, what happened we had uh bought a second business um which was uh on a booking office and then we set up an online part of that because it's kind of that era where things were going from being physical to being much more online so we set up the online part of it and then uh, over this journey we got married and we uh and then we had a baby and then when the baby was about six months old, we got another business. So this was with my family. And so this business, much bigger restaurant, and then decided to develop a big project alongside it. So project managed a big uh, build. So we doubled the size of it. So we went from 200 seats to 400 seats with an outside space. Um, yeah, so now we have four businesses. Um, the team at the restaurant went, so I went from having a team of nine people to a team of 90. It felt like overnight. And I went, oh God, I don't know. This is the thing I felt least strong in, in my business journey was leading people and managing people and getting them to do what we need them to do to make the business run. And so I went, I, I'm going to go and do a coaching course <laughs> because I saw this person uh, speaking on stage and he was kind of holding 3,000 small business owners in, uh, where were we, Phoenix in Arizona in the States, like all of these business owners in his hand. I'm thinking, God, if they're all like me, he's doing such a good job to keep us on track and doing the thing he wants. I was like, I need some of those skills. So I looked him up and I ended up doing a 12-month coaching course, which resulted in having to do some pro bono coaching. Uh, which turned into paying clients because after they'd had some free coaching, they were like, well, how do I continue this? Can I pay you for this? And I went, sure. So now we have five businesses um, <laughs> and and things are starting to get a little crazy. In fact, before I started coaching, things were getting a little crazy, but I'm now working somewhere between 60 and 100 hours. Like 60 hours a week was a good week, um, but 100 wasn't unusual. Um, I had a baby at home. And you had a baby. I had a husband at home and... Yeah, it got chaotic. It got ridiculous. I was. Did your body start to like shut down? Like, what did you start to notice? Like, what were some of the signs that were like, this isn't working? Oh, I was, I thought it was normal. I was convinced that working harder and harder was how people got ahead in business. Like, I'd grown up in a family where hard work got you ahead. And so I was convinced I had this set of beliefs that said, this is the thing to do for a long time. I just, I thought it was okay. And it wasn't until someone pointed out to me that they'll go, oh, what's most important to you? And I'd go, oh, Johnny and Scarlett. And they go, okay, cool. So how much time do you spend with them? And I'm like, uh, uh, 
a little bit. Like, like let's have a look at your calendar and see where the time is that you spend on your marriage and your parenting. And I was like, well, you're not going to see it. Like there was no time in my calendar for that. And let's have a look at where you spend your money. And I was like, we're also not going to spend any money on that. We just spend it on, at that stage, the business. And I was quite involved in the community, um, doing some community work. And he was like, they're not your most important things. I was like, they are. And he's like, they're really not, Sarah. Because where you spend your time and your focus and your energy and your money is on the things that matter most to you. And you can tell me, stay in, stay in there and say, these are the most important things or you like, but they're not. Oh, and I felt like I'd been like punched in the chest. I was like, no, no, that can't be true. I want to be a, a great wife and a great mum. I want to be, and a great businesswoman. I can be all three. And he's like, you can, but the way that you're doing it, one is not sustainable because you're not looking after your health. Because again, I thought it was normal to only have five to six hours of sleep. And even that was unbroken, but I would run on caffeine all day and then a few glasses of wine at night to go to sleep. I would alternate between doing way too much exercise and none at all. You know, none of it was healthy. And, you know, I wasn't, um, you, you can't regulate your emotions when you're like that. You don't, you know, you don't do any of the right things. Um, and yeah, and it wasn't until um, Scarlett, when she was five, so five years ago now, on Christmas Day, so the restaurant, we had it all set up, and I was just going to pop in and check on it. We had 25 front of house staff working that day, popped into the restaurant, uh, and five no-shows to work, and so I ended up working, and I called my husband, and I said, can you come down and help us? And so we were there working all day and Scarlett was with um, a babysitter and she called at about seven o'clock. She called Johnny and she always was awesome at going to bed. Like, you know, read her a story. She's out like a light. She was awesome. Um, and this uh, babysitter was like, she's not going to go to bed until she talks to one of you. And she talked to Johnny and she said, dad, next time you and mum have to work on Christmas day, you need to tell me because Christmas means you're supposed to be here not at work and so you need to tell me if you're not going to be here and Tony was like oh my god my five-year-old's wiser than us and he was like I'm going home and so he went home and I worked until one o'clock in the morning and I came home to Scarlett and I gave her a hug and a kiss she was sound asleep she wouldn't remember it and I said never again never ever again and it wasn't until that moment that I recognized just how big an impact it was really having on my relationship with Johnny and Scarlett we'd made some changes before that but that was the significant point at which I went no and it took someone else to tell me I couldn't see it myself at all now I can look back I look at the photos and go oh my goodness I was so unhealthy it was crazy so how do you, you know, I feel like we romanticize these moments of mm. revelation of mm -hmm. like, this is rock bottom for this, right? Um, and we think like, oh, okay, so I'm sure you woke up the next morning and all of these boundaries were there and all of a sudden you were a different person. So like, I know that didn't happen. So how did you, when you realize like, okay. I might be a little bit of a workaholic. Yeah. So I don't, I think this was, and um, we talk a little bit about it in the work that I do now about feather brick truck. Like this was my truck moment where I was like, Wait, what oh. did you just say? Sorry, your accent just kicked in hard. <laughs> feather, feather back track? Feather brick, like a, a house brick. 
like okay, build houses out of track. I know I mean, we squash all our vowels in New Zealand. So <laughs> feather brick track. So the universe will send you a message and it's a gentle message, right? And it says, hi, Sarah, maybe you're working too hard. So potentially my first feather was after having Scarlett processing payroll while she's sitting in the bassinet next to me in the hospital like that probably should have been my <laughs> first message I was overworking <laughs> and I had a numerous feathers like that that kind of tickled at me that went you know maybe this is too much maybe this is too much and then I had a, a brick moment where my husband who never ever says no Sarah you can't do that um, told me I had to resign from a community trust that I was part of it was that was taking about up about a hundred hours a month um, which I loved and I still love and I'm still very proud of what we did with that community trust but he um, first time ever had put his foot down and said no so that was kind of my brick moment where I was like oh that hurts there was snot and tears and um, yeah so we didn't so I gave that up and that was kind of the reset moment was supposed to be the reset moment didn't have the reset moment and then the Christmas day moment was like oh no she's five and and about the same time someone else said to me you get 18 summers with your kids if you're lucky and I was like oh my god I've wasted the first five because we live in a tourist town and so we're most busy when it's summer so yeah so no I didn't wake up on boxing day morning and have boundaries in place I probably got up had a little bit of time with Scarlett and Johnny and went to work again I don't remember exactly what happened, but we started the process of untangling things. So um, we sold a business, um, we sold two businesses that year. So we sold the booking office, we sold, and we sold the restaurants later that year in August. Okay, I have a question. So, yeah. so you said part of your personality is that you like to start a lot of things. Hmm. Um, so was letting go of these businesses actually difficult or was it kind of like, like yeah no all right let's sell that and just not starting a new thing to replace it was the hard part no it was hard to let it go because I wasn't finished so um I was still putting things in place still and and really um a lot of it was about what would other people think you know like you, you said you were going to do all these things and you haven't done them you know necessarily um booking office less so I think because you could see that there was a movement away from the in-person buying of travel products to online. And so it kind of made sense that it wasn't going to be as valuable for us going forward. Um, the restaurant was much harder. The restaurant was harder because I felt like we were just on the cusp of getting it right, just on the cusp of, you know, really making the year work. So it was harder to let it go, but it was the right decision. And I didn't wake up with all these boundaries in place, but I did wake up with this clarity of I need to put different things first. And it wasn't that I stopped doing a whole lot. Like I didn't go, oh, I'm not going to do any business anymore. But I woke up and I went, there has to be a different order in the way that I prioritize things. Because previous to that day, business was always first. I was like, well, I have to do all of this business stuff first before I can go home and mum, before I can go home and be a wife, before I can go and look after my body. And so it became this uh, ethical excuse to hide behind to not do all the other things, right? So, you know, it's ethical to stay and finish your work and not go and look after your body or not go and eat food properly somewhere else. It's, it's okay to eat at your computer because you're working. Right. And so I had to really reframe all of that for me. So yeah, it was it it was hard to let them go, but 
I think I'd been through that journey. I'd kind of had those stories and I could really see my little girl disappearing before my eyes. And that was definitely not the story I wanted for her. Um, So that was probably the first thing because my husband was sort of super supportive. But then when I really started looking at my relation, the rest of my relationships, I was like, I have no idea how a marriage survived this. Like me sliding into bed at 11 o'clock at night and sneaking back out at 4, 4 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to get things done. You know, we were literally ships passing in the night for years there. Wow. Hey, She Slayers. When I first started practice, I thought I needed to dress a certain way for patients to trust me, and I spent hours trying to design communication and marketing materials that worked. After 12 years of practice, here's a couple things I've learned. One, I don't have to wear dress pants and button-ups for a patient to take me seriously. And two, why recreate the wheel when a design professional has already done all the work for me? Well-Aligned offers solutions in both of these categories. They have the coolest and most comfy chiropractic shirts that will showcase your personality, as well as beautifully designed communication and marketing tools to help drive new patients, get more referrals, and gain better retention in your practice. From the best chiropractic apparel to modern patient education materials, Well-Aligned has you covered. All She Slayers get 10% off plus free shipping on orders of $75 or more with promo code SHESLAYS. Visit www.wellaligned.com to save. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of our primary sponsors of the podcast, Insight CLA. The Insight tech moves the message off the spine and into the nervous system where the magic of the adjustments can be measured and tracked. Everyone from newborns to seniors are being scanned in my practice and in thousands of other practices like ours so they can be examined and inspired to choose chiropractic care. It's like an instant referral machine because the scans are so visible and informative. Like what patient wouldn't want to know how their nervous system is performing? The staff at CLA are ready to take care of you and answer any questions you may have. They also have an incredible online academy that can help train everyone in the office and help them to feel confident on how to get perfect scans and how to interpret the results. We have been using the Insight technology in our clinics for over seven years now, and it is a complete game changer for conversion, retention, and patient education. Click the link below in the show notes as She Slays listeners get preferred pricing and hundreds of dollars off their purchase. Hey, She Slayers. I just wanted to take a moment to ask you, have you heard of PX? I don't know. Have I mentioned them before? (laughs) So they're practically everywhere these days. And I am so excited to have them as a sponsor on our show because they are on a mission that I can seriously get behind. So Dr. Tony and his team have designed a pediatric, prenatal, and family chiropractic training program that has online and live event training opportunities to learn step-by-step the science, clinical protocols, and business systems behind building a thriving pediatric and family chiropractic practice. Now, here's what's extra cool. It doesn't matter if you're a student, startup, or practicing chiropractor. I mean, I am a member and I've been in practice for over 12 years now. Each and every bit of their training is applicable to you and where you're at. I've been a part of PX for a while now, and I can say that there's no one better in the space to lead you and to lead this profession than Dr. Tony and his team. 
If you want to take your practice to the next level in serving more kiddos and families in your community, then you must check out PX. I will drop a link in the show notes so you can head over to thepediatricexperience.com and let them know She Slays the Podcast sent you there for a special little bonus. So then what came what came next with the boundary? So I'm just picturing letting go of these things, being like, okay. And then about a month passes. And like, so are you like literally then spending time with your kid? Yeah. Uh, and so like not, not starting businesses? <laughs> not, not inside a month. Like, and I think that's the thing, like none of this, it's not easy to unpack it when you get into a place like this. Like to go, you can't just cold turkey go right now. I'm working 30 hours a week and everything will else will be fine because you've built this um, environment where everyone's reliant on you. I, mm -hmm. I created this learned helplessness in my businesses where I was the solution to all the problems. They had to come and ask me. They had to come and, um, you know, they couldn't figure it out themselves because I had given them the easy route, which was I would always give them the answer. I would always be there to back it up. If someone didn't show up to work, I would be there to fix it. Uh, so that was going to take some time. And I think the big thing for me was recognizing what's the relate, what's the life that I wanted to have 10 years from now? Yes. Yeah, because that made it easier because you just keep looking at it going, I'm just slogging through this. I'm not getting any closer. Um, it was going, where do we want, what do I want my relationship with Johnny to look like 10 years from now? What do I want my relationship with Scarlett to look like 10 years from now? What do I want my relationship with myself to look like 10 years from now? And then we started building the businesses to serve that rather than the other way around. So previously I'd had, and I think this might be something that a lot of business owners go is when I get the new employee, when I get, yeah. you know, someday, some magical day in the future, which doesn't exist in the days of the week, but someday I will have it all sorted out at work and my magical great life will come together. Mm -hmm. um, we had to flip it and we had to go, what does that life look like? And then we could deliberately start making changes to get there. Uh, and that's the journey we started on. It was a little bit by little bit. So it was one of the changes having to teach your employees, like to sever that easy co connection that you had created where they just come to you and get a quick answer. Like, and how did you do that? Yeah. So it made me really recognize the fundamentals that were missing in the business. So do our team know what are the behavioral expectations? So what are our values around here? How are we going to behave on this journey of business together? Did they know where we were trying to go with the business? Like what was the ultimate destination we were going to? Because um, we're all on this bus together and going on this journey and no one had decided where we were going. So, <laughs> you know, so I knew where we were going. In my head, I was like, well, we're doing this. It was explicitly clear to me, but the communication of that to the team had been pretty rubbish. So where were we going? What was the ultimate destination? You know, they talk about the vision. We need to have one of those. So we got one of those we got some values so how are we going to behave on this journey on the way there um and then we started building out some systems which is deeply unsexy but when your whole business is in I your head systems are sexy as hell <laughs> oh good I'm pleased systems have saved my ass in yeah like it yeah yeah how and so you, okay but here's the thing question on systems yeah is I feel like when I'm talking to a chiropractor let's say they've been in practice six, seven years. And 
I start to talk about systems, they're so in the forest. What's the phrase? Like, can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. You know, as I said, what's the phrase? I was like, God, did they even say that over there? Uh, (laughs) But like, okay, good. You do. Right. And so it's like pulling teeth trying to get them because I don't know their business and so like I need them to look at their business and see where their systems are flawed but if they thought if they knew their systems were so flawed they would have likely fixed it do you see what like so how did you get like over that yeah so now I know how to do it really easily back then it was much much harder um you really have to get to a place where you can download what's in your head onto a piece of paper and it wasn't until I worked with someone uh with a software so they often what happens is business owners get this new piece of technology you know often a software they go it's going to save I've got this new piece of software that's going to do all the things in my business and they get in there and they go I'm so excited and they start building out half thought out systems inside the software and then they get three months into it they go other oh, software's shit it doesn't do <laughs> sorry get out um, of my office Sarah. <laughs> how do you know this is what happened yeah like you know it doesn't work it's the software's fault and I'm like okay let, let's let's jump into this a little more it's a little bit like building a house without a set of plans if a builder came to you and said I've built loads of houses I know what I'm doing we'll just like put a floor down put some walls up bang up bang a roof over it we'll be happy like no no dude like show me the plans and then we can build off the plans but we don't do that in our business and so you have to bring them back and go here's a pen and paper and we're gonna get your business out of your head down on paper what are the systems that make up your business there's like all these different areas marketing and sales and admin and the experience your clients have when they come in let's get all of those systems down on paper first and then we can start building them out. Then we can go, okay, where do these start and stop? Where do we, um, what are all the steps that we want them to go through? And how do we make that happen inside our business in a way that I can do it or I can give it to someone else and I can see where they're doing it and how much their workload is under pressure and things like that. So you actually have to be able to do all of that from afar if you want to be able to take yourself out of the business. Yeah, and absolutely. And that's a skill. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's what we started doing. And it took a little while because restaurants um, have a lot of humans in them. <laughs> and yeah. so wherever there's a lot of humans in businesses, it's there's a little harder. a lot harder. of turnover. A lot <laughs> of turnover. I was a waitress for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Holy moly. Yeah. So um, we're pretty lucky. We had a core crew that were really stable and then we would just bring in summer crew. And, and I used to say to my core crew, um, when the summer people get here, they will drive trucks through our systems if they're not solid. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, they will find ways to mess with your system if the system is not solid. And so we would really test it, test it, test it. They'd always find holes, but just we would then be able to plug it because we could see where the holes were in the system. But yeah, getting people to stop and go, it's not that your team can't do it your way. It's not that your team lack common sense. It's not that they you know, it's just that they're not good staff. I think that's the other one I hear. It's that they it's that they don't know what you want. They have no clarity around what your expectations are. Here's the here's the expectations. Here's the box you have to color inside. Nobody's told them where the lines are. And so they're coloring outside the lines. But once you build the systems, it fixes it. So I was reading um, about you, this thing about a year of no. So 
is that when this came? I I mean, I I think I know what a year of no might be. Um, sounds miserable. Uh, <laughs> is but is that around? Did you do a year of no? Like, tell me more about this. You're gonna laugh. I did that before the Christmas piece. <laughs> That lasted, huh? No. Okay, so, so what I did was you wrong there. <laughs> no. So the year of no worked really well for me for everything external to the business. So it was really good. So here was the rule. The rule was, if you don't say hell yeah to it in the first moment that someone asks, you have to say no because I was this. I was a people pleaser, and I like to say I'm a reformed people pleaser now. But my husband's like, oh, let's say oh, reformed. Let's- <laughs> yeah, let's say reforming rather than reformed. Um, I was like, all right, you're slightly attacked, but okay. Um, so the rule was, if you didn't in the first moment someone asked you to do something, you didn't go, oh god, that'll be so much fun. I definitely I have to do that. If your first thing was like, oh, I can fit it in, I'll make it work, then, um then you had to say no. And so I did that for a year. And because I'd resigned from this community role that I had, and I'd got used to doing not just all the business stuff, but a whole lot of stuff for the community as well. And I loved it. And saying no to that was really hard. And in the first little bit, I got so many negative reactions to my no. I was like, I don't understand. Like, this is my time, my actions my money my everything I I'm allowed to decide what I do with it but people were really literally so like I know you know this with the work that you do but like so like how did you say no like literally what were the words that or the email that came out of you to say no because I feel like I am a people pleaser as well and so it's like oh gosh oh, I would really, really, really love to. And if only I could, you know, like I'll get asked, um, you know, to go speak somewhere. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that's in the middle of Christmas season and this or that. So like, what did you say? How did you turn people down? Yeah, really good question. So um, I people will say, just say no, Sarah. And I'm like, it's not that yeah, easy. It's not that easy. Uh, so I used to say things like, hey, thanks so much for the opportunity. I don't have the capacity for that right now was one of my things. So I don't have the capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be really interested in that, but it's going to be like 12 months away before I've got capacity for it. And people go, okay. Um, uh, or someone would ask me to help out with something and I'd say, look, um, I'm already committed. Or I'd say, the, I started off, actually, I started off saying, let me check. So it gave me space to walk away from the question and then come back and give them an answer so that I didn't have to, in the moment, because in the moment I was like, yes, sure. You're talking about like conversation. Yeah. Yeah. In the conversation, I'd be like, let me check. So they'd go, Sarah, can you help us out with this thing on Saturday at da, 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 da. And I'd go, let me check and come back to you. And so that gave me the capacity to go away and go, okay, does this align with what I'm trying to do right now? Or is it a no? Um, And I would, you know, deep down inside that it was a no in the first moment you were asked, but it just wasn't a hell yeah. It wasn't a hell yeah, right? So I had to go away and process it and come back and say, look, I'm already committed this weekend. Sorry, I can't make it. Did you feel, okay, 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 okay. But sometimes being committed when you're trying to take care of yourself is like, it's, oh, it's easy to be like, oh, I forgot. I, we have a wedding. I can't. Yeah. That's different than, oh, I forgot. 
I'm doing nothing Saturday. And that's how I, oh, like I knew. I never used to tell them what I was doing because oh, often so it was there. <laughs> no, I just said I'm committed. Like I'm committed to being at home with the family. I'm committed to. So say those words. I'm committed to being. At I know home. I'm committed somewhere else. I wouldn't say okay. what it was. I would just say, look, I've committed to something else this weekend. And if that commitment was to me to rest or the commitment was to me to hang out with Scarlett and Johnny, um, then so be it. It didn't, yep. I didn't have to. I, I think the big thing we think is we have to explain ourselves and we oh, don't. Yeah. Right. Mm. You know, I didn't have to, I don't have to they just look at you you're like, what's your explanation? And you're like, you don't seem satisfied with just a no. Yeah. And so that's, but that's a thing that we have to get comfortable with that discomfort because that's us making it mean something. You don't, they don't need an answer. Like yeah. it's us just, getting comfortable with that piece. And that took some time. Like there was a lot, like I bit my tongue a lot. No, like, well, maybe I could. No, that is a year of no. And I, and so I stopped doing lots of things. So, you know, that year, but I let the business fill it up. So I got back all this time from all this community stuff and all these things I was saying no to and the new opportunities, the new business opportunities. I said no to all those things. But then what happened was, which is what happens in all businesses, my business just expanded to fill up that time. And I was like, oh, I haven't actually won any time back at all. I've just filled it up with other things because your business will always expand to eat all the time you give it, just like it will expand to eat all the money you give it. Yes. Um, yeah, that is so true because I will see chiropractors, you know, they get to this certain point where, you know, they're working the full work week and they're adjusting. And then they're like, okay, I need, I need to take a shift off so I can work on like marketing or this or that, you know, and, but again, it just keeps filling in. And so it's like, you really, really have to have these boundaries around like, so do you recommend like saying specifically what you're going to do with this time you get back? So your business doesn't fill in and how detailed do you have to get there? I think that's really going to depend on the individual. So uh, it's taken me a long time to stop filling my time with, like I'd get time back. I mean, I have to fill it in. And I, and it took me a long time to learn. I don't have to fill it in. There's, um, there's space in my calendar now. Now I block my space, which sounds ridiculous, but because other people have access to my calendar, it'd be a bit the same for your chiropractors. I imagine that a lot of them allow online booking and things. So if I want space for me, if I'm like, I'm going to like go outside and walk around the block, or I'm going to sit and read a book and have a coffee or just do nothing for half an hour. Like I block that in my calendar. So someone else can't take that time because other people are allowed in my calendar for people that don't have people booking in their calendar it's probably not so detailed um but I had to get again it comes back to that where I want to be 10 years from now and 10 years from now I want to be someone who has time to uh stop and smell the roses literally like stop and notice life and stop and read and stop and listen to the babble that my daughter wants to give me after she comes home from school because she wants to tell me everything that's happened I want to be stopped and present in that moment and not have my head doing all my work while I'm listening to that you know I and so because I knew the relationship I wanted to have with Scarlett 10 years from now I know the things I have to do right now to make that happen like if I want to have a well she was five back then so I want to have a great relationship with my 15 year old daughter 
there are some things I need to be doing now to build that relationship. And one of those is learning to stop and listen and be present with her because that's what we're going to want when she's 15 from yeah. her. Yep. So, um, and, and what do I want out of my, like, I still want to be married. So if you want to still be married 10 years from now, you have to have date night. You have to have some time to spend time with each other and talk and not just be parents and business partners. You actually have to have time to have an intimate relationship together. Um, so that was where the boundaries came from based on, is this aligned with what I call my highest life priorities? And is it aligned with the vision I want for each part of my life, each priority 10 years from now? Because if it's not getting me closer to that vision for that life that I want, that marriage I want, that relate parenting relationship I want, that, you know, me that I want, um, then I have to say no to it. Or I have to find a way that it can get done without taking up my time. Because that's the one resource I'm not getting back. can always make more money, but I can't get my time back. So you kind of... You kind of started to answer this, but I want you to go a little deeper for me. Right. So you seem like a, so if we use the initial filter of like, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Okay. Yeah. What if you have the type of personality that says hell yes to a lot of things that maybe you shouldn't like yeah. what, how do you, how have you trained yourself to really what is the filter of what you allow back in now? Yeah, so so I have uh, one set of filters and it's called my highest life priorities and I figured out what those were. And you will always have time for things that matter. And that's the original point that we had that conversation, right? But at the start of this conversation, we, you know, I was saying Scarlett and Johnny are my most important but I wasn't making time for them. So I was just lying to myself. That's the worst lie you can tell are the lies you tell to yourself. And so I had to go through and figure out what did I actually want to be my highest life priorities. Uh, and they were me, first and foremost, because I'm a crappy mother and a crappy wife and a, a particularly crappy business owner when I'm not looking after myself, when I'm not sleeping properly, when I'm not moving my body, all those sorts of things. Then I wanted my marriage to last. And people are like, but what about being a parent? No, no, she's going to leave sometime. The idea is that Johnny and I are going to spend, you know, the rest of this life together. So we're going to have to spend some time, effort and energy. Yeah, really you met on it. the beach of Krabi. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Uh, he was the next door neighbor in the in the jungle hut next to me. Uh, and then the, the um, <laughs> and then Scarlett, because I want to have a long relationship with her, even after she leaves home and doesn't require daily parenting. You know, I still want to be, um, a, a part of her life, like my parents are a part of my life. And then it was business. Um, and, and they're very deliberately in that order. So now those filters, so I've got those four things that matter most to me, everything else is a no. So they're not aligned with that. And then what do I want those four areas of my life to look like 10 years from now? So then the second filter is if I do this thing, is it moving me closer to the vision I want for my parenting, for my marriage, for my self, for my business? Yes, okay, I can do it. No, I can't do it. And then if it's impacting negatively on another part of the life, another one of the highest life priorities, then I have to, you know, what then, then you're getting a little bit more detailed, right? Then you're looking mm -hmm. at the trade-offs. But generally, I have to be going, if I get asked to speak at Christmas, what's the impact of that on me, on 
Johnny and on my relationship with Johnny and my relationship with Scarlett. Well, it's good for business, right? We know it's going to be good for business. People are going to see me. They're going to want to work with me or they're going to want to know more about me. We know it's going to be good for business. It's definitely moving me there. But if it's negatively impacting those other three where I'm going to be more tired at a time of year where there's lots of things going on, I'm probably not going to get well rested if I'm traveling. Um, I'm going to miss out on, maybe I'm going to miss out on date night with Johnny. I'm going to miss out on time with him. I might miss out on something significant at school because it's that time of the year where we're doing lots of fun things because for us Christmas is our big summer holidays as well so we're wrapping up the school oh, year right it's yeah like, it's like hot down there in the Christmas. yeah no it's not hot yet it's not a nice day today but it will but get it warmer. will be at Christmas <laughs> yeah we'll be at Christmas yeah oh so weird <laughs> I know it's it's weird <laughs> yeah. and we live at the bottom of the bottom of the world you know we're going to be a little bit weird um so yeah so that was kind of the filter then so because you can't get the life you want unless you're deliberately designing it and then moving towards it. You just get a life by default. And that's what I was living. I was living a life by default because I was saying yes to every opportunity that came my way and everything that everybody else wanted from me. And I had this life and this business by default and it was crap <laughs> because I, um, my guess is that you and your audience don't want an average life. They don't want a life by default. They want something bigger and more expansive and more spacious than an average life uh, and that's why they started working for themselves and that's why they you know got into the field that they got into and so in order to do that you have to go here's how I get that spaciousness and then you have to start deliberately working towards it it's so difficult because a lot of times when you realize like I've gotten myself into this situation where I have this default life you're tired you're very tired and to live, to build your deliberate life usually requires doing things that are not the default, which are more energy. It's the getting up earlier so you can work out and not, you know, just hit and snooze. It's the prioritizing water. It's the prioritizing meditation. It, you know, prioritizing date night. It's so many things where it's just like, oh it would just be easier to just sit and watch Netflix and like not do date night. Let's just call that date night, you know? <laughs> and like, and so it's hard because you're so tired, be, be, you know, but, but the thing to create the life requires more energy. And yeah. So yeah. I, do you know what I think it is? As I think we're exhausted from all the choices we have to make every day. And mm -hmm. so for me, it got easier because I stopped making choices. And so I started, um, and people always go, oh, it's mindset, it's mindset. I'm like, no, no, make it easy, make it environment. So things like, you know, if it's hard to decide to get up early, cool, set the alarm, turn the snooze function off and put the alarm, you know, away. So you actually have to physically get up out of bed. Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm up out of bed, it's much harder to go back to it, right? So mm -hmm. start designing your environment to give you the things you want, you know? I don't want to have to think about drinking more water, so make sure when you go to bed, the water jug is full and it's on your desk or it's in your it's in your, in your room where, you, um, where you're adjusting people. Um, make it easy for you environmentally. Um, put the keys in the same place. You like build things where you don't have to think and you don't have to make decisions because your poor brain can only make so many decisions every day. And what you're experiencing is 
when it stops, when it uses up all the good decision-making points, it stops making the good decision. It starts making the easy decision. It's Mm -hmm. easier to snooze than to get up. It's easier to grab a coffee than it is to pour the water. It is easier to Netflix and chill than plan a date night and go out. So you've got to um, take away the decisions and just allow yourself to do what you're told for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, the hardest thing about being out in your own business is that you can do whatever you want uh, because there's no one telling you what to do. And at some point you have to go, okay, well, I actually need some structure. I need someone to tell me what to do. And you've got to figure out what that looks like for you. So um, you know, you're good at following a process because you take clients all day and you show up to them and you adjust them. And then you go on to the next thing. If you're a chiropractor, like you, you commit to other people and you do what you say you're going to do for other people. You're just not doing it for yourself. So yeah. find a find a boss in your world. And for me, that's my calendar. So I plan my week in advance. Um, and when I'm planning, I'm deliberately going over what do I want my life to look like? Uh, 10 years from now, I'm reading through that and I'm planning my week based on making that happen, putting things into my calendar that make that happen. And then when I get up on Monday morning, I don't think, I just do what the boss tells me, which for, in my life is my calendar. Right. Mm. Yeah, that I love that. Um, so if somebody wanted to work with you, where could they get more of you? More of me, more of me. Um, so if any of this has resonated, if you are finding any of this juggle piece tough and know that you need to make some changes, uh, then you can come over to sarahgreener.com backslash slays. Uh, and there is a three resources there that I think would be helpful. One's my ebook called The Off Switch. So how to run your business without running you, which talks more about some of the stories that we've talked about today and the whole process I've talked about today and getting back in control of your life. We have a cool little group where we've got lots of women business owners over there getting their freedom back. Uh, and lastly, if you're just a massive action taker and you just really want to plan now, um, I have a freedom game plan that I do with people takes about 15 minutes and we're going to put together an action plan to get you on your way to that life that you really want and the business that serves that life. Awesome. Oh, you're great. I'm going to go grab all of those. So, (laughs) um, okay. She slayers, we will make sure we have all the links for you below. Uh, if you do work with Sarah, you will have to, she's, you know, in a different time zone though, very different time zone. So, but <laughs> she, I think you get up early and stay up late. Yeah, totally. The, um, I have clients in the States, so we've yeah, made the time I'm zones sure. work. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this is your very normal life. So, uh, all right, Cheese Slayers, uh, go make sure you check her out because I, you just seem like a wealth of knowledge. And I feel like we just, did we just tap, tap the iceberg, tip, tap the tip. I don't know. Touch yeah. the tip. We did the, we just got a little bit of your information, just a tiny bit of your knowledge. And experience. You got That's it. Yeah. Going for. Oh, all right, cheese layers. Until next week. Bye. Hey, she slayers. Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule. 
because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. 